Hi there, City Church. My name is Dwayne Gertson. I uh, bring you kingdom greetings from Maple Ridge Community Church, where I've been blessed to pastor for a good number of years. Uh, I've been in this city for a long time, and I've uh, been blessed to walk closely with your pastors. These guys are friends of mine. We pray together. We laugh and cry together. We look out for each other. We support each other. I'm honored to be counted among their number. Really, I am. Ridge Meadows, you are blessed to have these people leading your churches. Our church. City United. This is an amazing tradition that we've had for a number of years. We sought together to do this as churches on Good Friday, uh, Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows churches for a number of years now. In the past, we've had set this table in four to five different church venues, and it's been a tremendous opportunity to lean in together as the City Church, City United, under Christ. Last year, we weren't able to do this because the restrictions had just recently hit, and we were locked down. And here we are a year later, and we're trying it again, and we're doing it differently because that's what we've learned what to do. But we're calling the Bride of Christ together again here online to celebrate this very special day together. So wherever you're watching from, here in our city or anywhere else, we are really glad that you're here with us today. The Good Friday service often reminds me a little bit like a funeral. It's a reflective time, a somber time. Obviously, we're looking back from our vantage point of knowing how the whole story played out. And like many of us, I actually have a tendency sometimes to want to get through Friday and get on to celebrating on Sunday. And that's not necessarily bad because the resurrection is the bow on this package and we are alive in Jesus today because he really did rise from the grave. Jesus obliterated death, but he had to die first, thus the funeral piece. So we gather today to remember this life, a very unique life, a special life, the life of Jesus, a life lived on this earth. Jesus lived and breathed and walked and talked and ate and slept and laughed and cried, and he loved much. He came and said things that had never been said before, at least the way he said it. And he did things that had never been done before, at least not in the way that he did things. Jesus left a mark. He left his mark a mark that changed history, and that's because history had to be made right. Things had gone drastically sideways with mankind, and all because of mankind's own doing. Even my doing, and your doing. This thing called sin had entered the world because of willing choices made by women and men like you and me, and an unfathomable gulf was rent between mankind and God. The tragedy here is that things needn't have been this way. God had created things perfectly, and his magnum opus in creation was man and woman, made in his very image, and created to actually have an intimate relationship with God. We were created to walk with God. But a bad decision was, way, was made way back in the beginning to go against what God had said, and decisions just like that have continued to be made ever since. The rebellion just kept happening. It keeps happening. Sin destroyed the God-man relationship. There was a price that had to be paid. A sacrifice was needed, 
And it couldn't be just any sacrifice. The ones that had been offered up to the point of Jesus going to the cross just didn't get it done because people had to keep offering those same sacrifices year after year. And ever since Jesus' ultimate heroic act, people still try to earn their way back into God's favor, into his graces, through all kinds of sacrificial things that they try to do. And just like before, it's still not good enough. It doesn't get it done. On our own, there is no way to ever bridge this gap created by our sinful rebellion against God's holy standard. And this is why God chose to send Jesus and why Jesus chose to come. This was the ultimate rescue mission. Do these words sound familiar? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Many of us have heard these words from John 3.16 so many times. The familiarity of what we say can so easily get lost. What's that old saying? Familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus came to accomplish what we never could. His love for mankind compelled him to come, and he came on purpose. God sent Jesus with a very specific outcome in mind. And Jesus knew that the outcome was going to be what it was from the outset. Sure, he came as the innocent Christmas babe, born in absolute humility. And I'm not just talking about the feeding trough in the barn. Jesus chose to willfully and joyfully leave his place of glory in the presence of God so he could come to earth and die. Die for us. Die for me and die for you. Those who know this whole thing, they know we needed it. And even for those who don't know it yet, they still need it. Maybe that's you today. Jesus came on a mission, a rescue mission, and he knew exactly what that was going to be. When he was just 12 years old, still a kid, his family had come to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. They had come to offer up some of those sacrifices that I referred to earlier. There were so many people that would come for this occasion that Joseph's parents, Mary and Joseph, they actually lost track of their son when it came time to leave for home. And when they finally found him, Jesus was actually surprised that it took them so long to find him. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? That's what he said. Another version of this verse, Luke 2.49 says this, Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Young Jesus was saying that he was just doing what he knew his father would want him to do. He was on a mission. Listen to these words from Jesus when he was quite a bit older. After venturing into a region where most God-fearing religious folks turned their noses up in disdain, essentially in racial prejudice against the people there. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is John 4, just after he'd spent time with the Samaritan woman. Guys, this was kind of scandalous. The fact that in those days a Jewish man was even talking to a woman was one thing, but the fact that she was a Samaritan? Jesus was breaking rules, but he was doing things in order to bring people back into relationship with God. Things had gone so askew. This was part of the mission. But did you hear that? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What sustained Jesus was obedience to the cause of his father, the mission, and to see it through to completion, to finish it. Remember that very important word because we're going to come back to it in a little while. 
Just a short time later, when Jesus was found to be in the midst of, of a gathering of people who were very unwell, and they were gathered by a pool, religious rules kept most folks from this place, but Jesus literally waded right in, and the result was the healing miracle of this man who had been lying there for 38 years. 38 years. Do you remember what you were doing 38 years ago? Now, could you imagine being in that same place right through up until today? 38 years, the same place, no changes in life. That was this guy. A side note here. In the old religious ways, under the law of Moses, if you ever came into contact with something unclean, like a sick person, then you were automatically assumed to be defiled too. But when Jesus came, because of who he was, every time he encountered a person who was deemed dirty, he would go out of his way to break through that stigma and literally make contact with that person, touching the untouchable, sometimes even embracing that person. And his touch would turn things so completely upside down in that world that the unclean would suddenly, miraculously become clean. Another foreshadowing of his mission. Shortly after that, he said this, Very truly I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. These are words from John 5. The Son can do nothing of himself, only what he sees the Father doing. Jesus was very well rehearsed in the ways of his Father. So the mission, this mission, this rescue mission that he was on, it was instinctive for him. There was one time when Jesus was at the home of one of the despised tax collectors. This guy Zacchaeus was the bane of the people who knew him. But Jesus saw through the brokenness, and because of his love for this man, Zacchaeus' whole family, his household, found their way back to God. They found faith. They were reconciled. As Jesus wrapped up his time in this guy's home, and that in itself was pretty scandalous, these are the words that he shared with his disciples. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to, came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, verses 9 and 10. Jesus was on a mission. Once when Jesus was with his disciples, they asked him to teach them how to pray. And this was his response. You know these words, many of you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Things had gone sideways on earth, and Jesus had come to restore things back to the way God had intended them to be. That's why he came. This is the way of God's kingdom. It was the way then, and it's the way now. The kingdom, the domain of the king, God's rule and reign in the hearts of people who found their way back into relationship with him, who were restored to him, reconciled. This was the mission. To bridge the previously unbridgeable gulf between God and man and make it possible for reconciliation to happen. But even Jesus couldn't do it his own way. The God-man had to submit to the Father's mission and do things according to God's will. Jesus had been sent on purpose by God to accomplish something very specific, and it had to be done in a very specific way. 
We hear these words again, almost verbatim, repeated on the eve of when Jesus knew he was about to die. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, his disciples he's talking about here. And he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Are you getting this? Are you seeing the trajectory? Jesus was very aware of what was coming and what he had to do. Do you feel his agony and his angst? It's kind of like, God, I know what's coming. And my human side would do anything to avoid what needs to happen here. But this isn't what I think will feel good. It's about what needs to happen so that the mission will be accomplished. And not what I want, my will, but what you have willed. Oh, man. On point. On mission. Even at this point of agony. And all this while his closest earthly mates kept falling asleep around him just to add insult to injury. So he continued to submit himself, and he willingly allowed himself to be unjustly arrested, even quelling the small protest that arose from Peter and his little sword because all the other guys had fled. He went on to face a number of religiously and politically motivated kangaroo courts where everything was tilted toward making sure that he would be sentenced to an execution. But unbeknownst to most involved, this was all part of the divine plan, God's ultimate rescue mission. So he ends up going to the cross. And I want to read some words from Isaiah 53, often referred to as the suffering servant, or the passage about the suffering servant. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one with whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to their own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Jesus ended up hanging on a criminal's cross, suffering the fate of the worst criminals, facing righteous judgment for all the heinous offenses that they had committed. And here he was, the innocent one, in the midst of them, actually front and center. Now, there are big, fancy theological words for this, like atonement and propitiation and penal substitution. And most of these words make the average person's head spin. But what we all need to know about these things is that what happened with Jesus on the cross was the climax of why he came to earth in the first place. This was his mission. This is what he came to do. Jesus came to be the sacrifice and pay the price of shedding his innocent blood to cover all the guilt and shame and offense and rebellion that was the result of mankind's sin against God, past, 
present, and even future, which is why this is such good news still for us even today. So he hung there on a cross, dying, suffering an agonizing death, all the while facing mockery, insults, jeering, shouts of anger from the very people he had come to save. And still he did it, willingly, joyfully, sacrificially. These are words from John 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine was there, so they soaked it in a sponge. They put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said these words, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head. Listen to this. He gave up his spirit. He willingly surrendered as he'd done all along. He gave up his spirit. It is finished. No exclamation point, just a period. A statement of a fact, not a statement of defeat. Jesus was not resigning himself to a place of demonic fate. Satan thought he had dealt the death blow. Oh, but if he only knew, it is finished. Signed, sealed, delivered. Literally, deliverance. The word finish here in Greek means to bring to a close, to finish, to end, to perform, execute, complete, fulfill, so that the thing done corresponds to what had been said, whatever the order was, the command. He'd been given a mission to fulfill. He fulfilled it. Jesus had completed that mission from God. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. It's an old song I sang at Willingdon in the 80s growing up. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven, and I spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. It is finished once for all. Amen.